Welcome to Open House, the real estate and mortgage show on News Talk 580 CFRA. If you have any questions about mortgages or real estate, give us a call at 521-TALK. That's 521-8255 or text 580-580. With Frank Napolitano and Paul Rushforth, here is Steve Gregory. Yes, the young Steve Gregory with the young Frank Napolitano, and then there's Paul. The older Paul Rushforth. Much, much older. Well, you know, I, I missed you guys wishing me a happy birthday last week, so I'd like to hear it this week, please. Well, first we of all, said before it we eight be, times before so. we do that, what were you able to get with the metal detector? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't re- listen to the rest of the show last week. I was getting ready, as in Sarasota, getting ready to go to Lido Beach, and uh, you know, Petra had the my girlfriend had the show on the phone. I was like, turn it off. I don't need to hear Frank and Steve while I'm having a nice romantic walk. The oh, last, oh the- I, I, I think you did. <laughs> no. <laughs> No, and that's when I that's when I put my phone away. I got my metal detector, and I went looking for my money. <laughs> and I hate when you said I'm in my fiftieth year because I'm not. I'm forty nine. No, you're in your fiftieth. I know, here. but I'd rather hear I'm forty nine, please. Oh. All right. I was the 30, white hair says says the opposite. I was thirty three so. when we started doing this show. My goodness, which means we're show number. 798. 798. God, you think we'd be better than this, eh? You would think so. Well, yeah. Some of us. <laughs> well, this is show number 797 for me. About show yes. four, 400 for Frank. And I know you guys are both worried about retirement because all I got was a stinking water today. Yeah. <laughs> Did you hear that, what he said? What? I'm show 400, he's 797. Now, isn't that funny? <laughs> isn't that funny? Well, you know the mind at yes. that age, you know. <laughs> numbers, numbers, numbers have never been a strong suit of Pauls. Uh, speaking ever. of numbers not being a strong suit, what's going on with CMHC? They're the only ones who are saying home prices are going to go down. It's typical CMHC. Yeah. Do you remember when they predicted? Yes. At the start of I the know pandemic. exactly what you're going to say because it's wrong, wrong, wrong. Yeah. Well, start of the but pandemic. But he was right. No, they weren't right. No, they... he was right. He was just off by three years. Yeah, exactly. But he was right. At the start of the After pandemic. After the 50%. At the start of the pandemic, 18. they said that average, the average sale price was going to go down 24%, I think they said. Yeah. 24%. And what did we do that year? We went up 19.9%. Yeah. So totally wrong. So. CMHC might have to go back to the drawing board and uh, get. But they just released this today. Everybody else's predictions have come out two, three weeks ago, and they've revised their predictions. They have, and and you know, like I I was away obviously in Florida this week, so I came home and I talked to. uh, I obviously looked at the stats, and then I talked to my team about what's going on, and I mentioned like over the last probably three, four, five weeks, there's lots lots of optimism out there. It's through the roof right now. People are feeling like those multiple offers are coming back, and and don't get me wrong. As a listing agent, you want those multiple offers coming back. But as a buying agent, it's really frustrating. And we went through a market where there was a lot of frustrated agents. Some of my agents who work predominantly with buyers were super frustrated. You'd put in an offer, 100, 150 over asking and lose out on the offer. It's clean offer, no conditions. Imagine how the buyers felt. Imagine how the buyers felt. So so I don't, I, I don't really want to go back to that market. I'd like to say at a more sane market, but I have a feeling we're heading back that way. Prices are going to start to, to correct. I'd love to see when the April numbers come out. When the April numbers come out, I, get, I know for a fact they're going to be well below where we were last April. But, but I last think, month. But I think we are going to be ahead of March because March was ahead of February. I think April is going to be ahead of March, and I think we've hit our rock and we're down, hit our rock bottom, and we're now on our way up. Um, yeah, we have to start comparing month to month. We have doesn't to. make sense. To doesn't matter. No, well, doesn't. It'll be okay now because year over year. Now we'll get back to normal numbers again. Because last April was <clears throat> started to see the slowdown in April, and then May, June, and July were the months that we really saw 
home prices come down in that first three or four months when interest rates started to go up. Uh, and we saw the activity come down tremendously. So, well, when you have an average sale price, when we started the year at six ninety one, so our average sale price started at six ninety one. We're down to at the end of March. We're down to six twenty three, six twenty five. I think it wasn't changed. I have it right here, but I don't have my glasses on. So, it, it, you know, it came down about you know seventy, sixty five, seventy thousand dollars. There's reports out there, like I think it was the Royal Page report. I think it was also um, there was another one that predicted you know the average sale price is going to go up. Two point five percent, and another one said four percent. Yeah, that's two point seven percent in Toronto. So there, that's the, that prediction is on where we started the year at six ninety one. Well, if we're started at six ninety one, we're down at seven six twenty five, and they think it's going to go up four percent. We got a massive amount of work to get up to that to to, to pass over that. that. Some people are predicting that we're going to be in this seven and a quarter range as the average sale price by the end of the year, wow. which means we have to raise by a hundred thousand dollars. That's aggressive. That's aggressive. I can't see that happening, but then again. Depends on inventory, too. Depends right? on inventory. As we start to see these rates, even the rates stabilizing right now is all good news and, and optimism. But as we start seeing the rates dip a little bit, I think it's going to get feverish out there. There's no listings on the market. We just passed 3,000 listings on the market at 3,016, which is nothing for this time of year. And we got millennials that are just sitting on the sideline, chomping at the bit to get into this market. Once those rates start to come down, boom, we're gone going to fly. First time over 3,000 in a while though. First time over 3,000 in a long time and we've been stuck at 27, 28, 2900 for the longest time and we just surpassed 3,000 listings on the market. So homes are selling, homes are still listing. Even though we have low inventory in the market, we're still starting to see those listings rise and I think- Are they turning over quicker? They're turning over quicker. They're turning over quicker and I'm starting to see some optimism, some pricing. I've been looking at some suburbia. For the longest time, I've seen like townhouses in suburbia drastically dropping to the point where we're, you know, we're, are, we're seeing builders offering them at five ninety nine nine. We're starting to see that creep up a little six and a quarter. People are asking now Minto's gone up to six and six and a quarter for their homes. So we're starting to, to see prices rise a little bit, which is great news for the, for the Ottawa real estate market. Are investors coming back? Well, investors are still very cautious because keep in mind, with the interest rates right now, it's very, very hard. If, if they're not, talking about rent going through the roof next year. It's already going through the roof. And here's the thing. I've talked about it at nauseum where I'm like, okay, if there's 800 rentals on the market, they're flooded with rentals on the market. They should, the prices should be coming down for sure. Problem is people can't afford. First time home buyers are forced into renting now. So there's so many renters on the market that people are asking what they want. I mean, I had one of my tenants in suburbia leave this week. Sorry. Tell me he's leaving this week, but he's not leaving until mid-June. He was paying a high rent of twenty three fifty. He only moved in about a year ago. I'm probably going to look for twenty five twenty six on that townhome now. Whereas, you know, at twenty three, I thought I was getting a home run. So that's where the rents are going to. So, first time home buyers are pushed into the rental market. Rents are going through the roof, even though there's a lot on the market, and prices are starting to rise, which is a good thing. Are you seeing first time home buyers come back for approvals yet? Coming back for pre-approvals and they're out there looking, which is a good sign. That's always a good sign. The first time home buyers buying a home spurs the whole real estate market on because obviously if they're buying that first home, it means that somebody that's in that townhouse right now, which is generally what they're buying, is looking for a single home likely to move up. So uh, it's encouraging. I think, uh, again, we've seen mortgage rates stabilize. Over the last couple of months, we've uh, you know we saw the bond market go up the week before last, and then this week it came back down, so we're pretty well flat um, over the last month or so. 
Uh, that being said, I look at year over year, just like the real estate numbers are year over year. I look at the bond market. So, you know, it closed at 2.99 yesterday, the five-year bond. And a year ago, it was at 2.84. So we're talking about very little difference year over year. But the mortgage rates are about 1% higher right now than they were at this time last wow. year. So uh, there's room for those for the fixed rates to come down. The problem is that most of the lenders and the banks, the volumes have come down because there's so few. So they're, they've kept their spreads up a little bit, hoping to make the same profit on mortgages as they did with lesser volume. Wow. I get a, I have a bit of a funny story. I have one of my, just, I was thinking about one of, one of my tenants that's leaving. So I have a tenant who we, he was looking to buy as the rates started to skyrocket. So he decided, you know what, I'm going to have to rent and, you know, get into the market for a year. So he rented one of my townhomes. So with, with one of my agents, he rented it. My agent calls me after he's been in there for like seven months. He says, Paul, I got a bit of a problem. You know, I won't say his name, but you know, so-and-so who's living in one of your investment problems, properties. He listens to your show every week, and he heard you say, buyers have three months to buy, or they're screwed. He wants to know if he can get out of his lease, and he's going to buy a house with us. I was like, damn. So I was like, yes, he can get out of his lease. <laughs> See, it pays to listen to the exactly. show. Exactly. Yep. Let's go to the phone. Say hello to Ron in Ottawa South. Hello, Ron. Good morning, lads. Good morning. I learned a new word yesterday, Paul, assignment market. And the case was in Toronto. They bought a pre-condo for 800000 now one of the units are worth seven hundred thousand. What does the buyer do now? Oh, unfortunately, wait. Yeah, unfortunately, the buyer. I mean, we saw this in Ottawa years ago. We saw that. We saw people who were, you know, who were buying condos on speculation that the market was going to skyrocket, and they were buying them for investment purposes. And by the, you know, let's say two years later, when that condo was ready, they were way underwater. The, the, the condo market was flooded, and the condos, the average sale price was going down. And unfortunately. The buyer has no choice. I mean, he's got to close on that property, and and most likely the you know the mortgage might be an issue at that point. But but it's he's got to close on it and sit on it until it actually comes back. Because yeah, if you walk on that property, you can get sued for the difference of what it sells. Yeah, for. yeah. So I mean, we ha- we have a situation right now. I'm working with a builder who had someone who 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 bought a property, and they I won't say what they paid, but they paid a, a healthy price for this property, and they couldn't close on it. So what the builder does now, he puts it back on the market and we've had to put it back on the market drastically less than what these people paid. And once we sell it, the builder go, will go after them for that difference, plus all the carrying costs, plus, plus, plus. So it would be even worse for someone not to close on it than it would be to walk away from that. You want to close on that, even though you're underwater. Real estate's a long-term play. Rent it out, do what you have to do, but close on that unit. Because if you don't, you're getting sued, and that's the last thing you want. And the other thing is, you, you were willing to pay that though. price, you know. But you got to be able to get financing. And I think where where the issue is today is, you know, if you paid eight hundred for that property and today it's worth seven hundred, when you now go apply for the financing, your financing is going to be based on a seven hundred thousand dollar value. So if you were putting twenty percent down, your assumption was you're going to put one sixty because it's twenty percent of. But now you got to put twenty percent of the seven hundred, which is one forty. Plus the additional hundred thousand, so now you got to put a down payment of two hundred forty thousand, and that's where people are, are, are getting in trouble. Ooh. Not to mention the high interest rates. But you know, I, I think what Ron, Ron was talking about the pre-assignment. Some builders now are allowing yeah. purchasers to assign the purchase agreement to someone else. So we're seeing that open up because of the you know where we're at right now, where before there's no way that a builder would allow 
the purchase agreement to be assigned to someone else. And the reason time. the builders are doing that is because people are struggling getting their financing yes. as, as the rates go up. And so the builder's like, well, if you're not going to close on it, I'd rather it be assigned to somebody who can close on it so I don't have 100%. to resell it. So yeah. that's becoming fairly common, more common in Toronto than it is in Ottawa. But yeah, builders are allowing assignments now on, on certain buildings and certain products. If you're sure. a buyer, you would be better to get into the assignment market? Well, again, it depends on the deal you can strike with the current purchaser because yeah. that's what it comes down to, right? I mean, the purchaser might say, "Listen, you know, uh, I bought the house for eight hundred. Now it's seven hundred. You know, if you do it for seven fifty, then you know we'll make a deal." And then that purchaser only. But why would a new purchaser pay fifty thousand dollars over a list unless there's something in it for them? So that's the challenge. Thank you very much, lads. You're welcome. Thank, Thank you. Around five two one talk five two one eight two five five. We will be right back. We return to Open House, the real estate and mortgage show on News Talk 580 CFRA. Welcome back to the show. Boy, I could have used a breakfast today. Oh, stop. <laughs> stop. <laughs> hey, special guest. Now, obviously, it's raining, so I would assume Hapke would have called in, but something else must be going on because Sean Reed has called in instead. Hey, Sean. <laughs> Good morning. Sorry to disappoint you there, Steve. Oh, no disappointment. Oh, we're, we're, we're not disappointed. I get I get sick and listen to Mike just as much as I get sick of listening to Frank. So. Oh, okay. That's, uh, I'm glad we're on the same page there. I love the optimism so early in the morning. <laughs> I have to say my morning's already flown by from going from two hockey rinks already today. So, oh, um, nice. But glad to be on the show. Yeah. What do you, operate a Zamboni? <laughs> no, no, no. You know how it is. Spring hockey for kids, lacrosse. Young families, you you just chauffeur them around from day to day, yeah, right? Exactly. You know, so, so fun fact before we get into this, for people who don't know who Sean Reed is, obviously he's with AMEC, right? With with Mike's and Frank's company Correct. with AMEC. Yeah. But he's but also he's been booed a bit. He's also he's also an OHL referee over. You're probably near 1,100 games now, aren't you? Well, not that many. Last year I did my thousandth game, and you know, roughly uh, another 50 or so this year. So. We're getting we're getting up there for sure. So uh, yeah, if anyone's been at the Civic Center or uh, TD, TD Place now and uh, and uh, they uh, have booed Reed that referees, that would be me for sure. You know, I, I wouldn't insult you and say, "Did you ever referee me, Sean?" Because you're probably younger than me. <laughs> no, yes, yes, no. I haven't. I haven't had the opportunity unless it was maybe in a men's league somewhere along. Well, the, you along you the way. you wouldn't be talking to me if you did referee me. <laughs> You would have kicked him out of the game. For oh, sure. I was nasty to yeah, refs and linesmen. Yeah. I was nasty. Uh, well, and and here here we are talking hockey. And Frank and I usually have these conversations as well. And half of it occupies uh, hockey talk, doesn't it, Frank? Yeah, so, it does. It does. You it know, does. you know, we we let Sean have it because Sean, you know, refing all these games in the OHL, he thought Marner wasn't going to be much of a hockey player. In the <laughs> oh. That didn't work out so well. Well, we will see tonight how much of a hockey player he's going to be, right? <laughs> That's you true. Got it. That's true. You got it. Hey, Sean, tell us what's new in the world of AMIC. Yeah, perfect. You know what? It's a, certainly an opportunity to, to come on the phone today. and uh, We have our investment opportunity uh, opening up on May 1st, so Monday. And for the investors that don't, or prospects uh, that don't know and that are looking at a, you know, a turnkey investment, uh, really, we're only able to raise capital on a 10-day period every month, so the first to the 10th every month. And, and I say it's a turnkey investment um, for, for sort of two components. Um, we have obviously 
uh, our investors that we pool our investors' capital together and uh, we lend it out in mortgages and and obviously service a segment of the market that you know is increasing uh, that finds it difficult to find traditional lending and our borrowers that come to us you know what they're they typically come to us for short term lending you know less than a year or a year financing um, and then they transition into traditional financing so they come to us they need to either you know, a uh, short-term solution uh, that they can't get traditional financing and then move on. And those borrowers, they pay uh, interest and they pay fees, which is very common in private lending and alternative lending. And we take those fees and the interest and we revert it back at the end of the year to our investors. And, and we also pay a monthly distribution. Right now, um, we pay a monthly distribution, an annualized amount of 6% to our investors. And then at the end of our fiscal year, which runs to August 31st, September 1st to August 31st, um, we pay a top-up amount. So in the top-up in the past has, you know, roughly been about one and a half percent. So it gives us our target rate at the end of the year, if people follow me, uh, about seven and a half percent, which we're targeting this year. Now, I do have to say that top-up amount is uh, prorated for when an investor does come into the fund. So in order to get the full top-up amount, uh, the investor does have to be with us for the entire year. So here we are coming into to May, so there's only going to be a top-up amount proportionate to the time that the investor comes in. But really, well, you guys sure have been solid over the last, is it seven years now? Eight years now, I yeah, think. Yeah, it, it's very solid. And, and you know what, since inception, um, you know, we've returned 7.6% to our investors. So uh, it's very turnkey, like we said. And then we have the other side. You know, we talk about this, like Frank and I, especially on a, on a weekly basis and, and constantly in our segment of we, here I am talking about raising capital for our investors, what we do. But what we do on the other side of, of is, is truly exciting. You know, we, we as I said, we, you know, we provide short-term solutions to borrowers that really are strong borrowers. Um, and we're able to mitigate, you know, a lot of the risk. And people always ask, our investors ask, well, you know, what's your risk of, of, of the investment? And, well, our, there's, there's risks, obviously, when you're underwriting, just like in any mortgage and, and lending money to people. And you mitigate those risks just with, you know, what's the performance of the borrower that you're lending the money? And you minimize that by what's the loan to value of the mortgage that you're doing. Uh, on our portfolio, it's roughly about 70%, just a little bit over at 71%. Uh, so we minimize our risk there. The short But as an investor, I'm not investing well. in one single mortgage, right, Sean? No, and, and, that, and I was just going to say that's the, that's the other key. So the key is that we pool the funds together for our investors. Um, and then you're minimizing. So that risk is assumed by the portfolio as a whole. And it's not just Steve Gregory's you know, money that's on one mortgage or on one house. And then the risk all lies with you and that borrower having to pay you that the risk is minimized with everybody else out there. So, so and, and here we are. Our performance is, has been very strong. Um, our performance, our, our credit scores of our borrowers continues to go up. It's a roughly 720. Um, you know, our loan to values at, at 70%, give or take. And performance, our borrowers are, are very strong borrowers. They come to us for a short-term need, and then we move on to traditional financing. Sean, so like, just so people know, if they do want to invest, are the checks still made out to Paul Rushforth? <laughs> no, no, no. Not They're yet, not? not oh, damn. <laughs> now, here's no. something. Now, this would be funny, because I know Hapke's been on Rushforth for years to do this. 
How okay. about you sign up, Paul, today? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'll invest while Hopkins away. <laughs> you know what? I was I was looking at our investors, Paul, and I didn't see your name on there. So you know what? Usually, usually, Sean. Usually, it only takes about I don't know, maybe four to six seconds before Steve's like, "Have you got Rush Force money yet?" <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, what's keep tr- working on it? Hey, Sean, what's a traditional borrower look like? Yeah, so like, like, what kind of circumstances? Like, usually about you know, yeah. five eight, five yeah. nine. <laughs> <laughs> no, and, and we sort of segment um, to you know a lot of borrowers that we have are, are self-employed people that come to us, but roughly thirty-five percent, a third of our mortgage are, are self-employed individuals. So those people have a lot of cash flow, and usually what we see in those individuals is that they don't claim a lot. Uh, and I don't want to get into that, and that's not us to. Uh, you know, have a CRA talk here, but really we know that cash flow is there and that's typical in nature. We also too can see a segment of the people where, you know, it, it's situational in terms of the environment that we're in. Maybe people have purchased a home and then they haven't sold their home. So they need a short-term solution where we can do a blanket mortgage is what we call one mortgage on both properties. And then when those people do sell their house in, you know, a month, two months, three months, whatever it may be, they're going to move on to their traditional financing. So again, we're minimizing the risk there. Um, and then there's so there's such another segment of, of the marketplace that people come to us for. Um, we're seeing too an increase of, of newcomers to Canada that don't qualify and can't qualify. And those people, I really like seeing those types of deals and those bores because everything that goes into people coming to Canada to being a part of home ownership and owning a home, they take great pride in. Uh, I know that the risk is, is very minimal in that because they've invested so much to get to that point in time and being able to purchase a home. They just usually need to maybe, you know, uh, build up their credit, uh, get, uh, get that standard so they, again, they can move on into traditional financing out there. How do we get so a hold of you, Sean? Yeah, so it's uh, our. We can be reached from the. And by the way, you don't talk this much on the ice, do you? (laughs) Sometimes I do. I do like to talk a lot. Coaches sometimes, for sure. (laughs) And then I just get a head nod, and then I can skate away. But we can always be reached uh, for for investors looking to have a conversation at six one three two seven four zero zero five five. All of our information too, and our our facts uh, of our portfolio as a whole can be found on our website. Uh, at advancedmic.com, and it's all on there. And we fully disclose everything. All of our financials are on there, our audited financials, and we're really an open book and, and want to promote a good local story that would, continues to grow, continues to provide you know a great return to our investors, but also short-term solutions to our borrowers and, and support you know a great broker market uh, such as Frank and other great. brokers in the market too. Thank you, so. Sean. Hey, Paul, yeah. can you imagine having lunch with Frank and Sean? You'd never <laughs> oh, get a word. Oh, you never get a word. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Sean. Be comfortable. <laughs> certainly give him time then to pick up the check, right? <laughs> I, I usually do. <laughs> five two one talk five two one eight two five five. We'll be right back. We return to Open House, the real estate and mortgage show on News Talk 580 CFRA. Welcome back to the show. Well, at least we can get a mortgage under 5%, right, Frank? We can get a mortgage under 5%, and I imagine, I would say that three or four months from now, it'll be, like right now, it's not under 5%. If you go to most of the big banks on their five-year, they're still over 
5%. Unfortunately, again, the bonds are inverted. So for where, anyone- Where should they be right now, would you think? Where, where should the five-year rates? Yeah. They should be under 5% across the board. And what I mean by that is they're under 5% if you're putting you know, less than 20% down because you've got default insurance. And they're under 5% with most institutions if your down payment is 35% or more. Where they're over 5% is if you're doing a refinance and it's over 30-year amortization. Most lenders have them above 5%. So I'd like to see them all below 4%, which would mean that the high-ratio mortgage would be in the low fours, which is what we're hoping will happen sooner rather than later. But where the bond market is right now, yeah. where should rates low be? Low fours. Low fours? Low fours, high threes. Like it used to be 1.1 used to be the spread. So that would bring us into the 4% range. Um, and then it's gone up to 1.4, so that would bring us into the four and a quarter percent range. So we're not that we're not that far off. But um, but again, that's with the non-bank lenders. But that's not what we're judged against. We're judged against like the banks. Most of the banks are in the fives when it comes to a five-year fix. So you're going from 2.9 on the bond market all the way into the five. So that spread is well over two percent, and that's the spread we got to get down. Which means you have to qualify at what? Plus two. So if you're at 5%, you're qualifying at seven. That's where the that's problem is right now. That's that's where people struggle because when they look at what their payment is, they're comfortable with it. But then you have to say to them, but even though your payment is this amount, we have to qualify you based on this payment and this is where your ratios are off a bit. And that's when they get disappointed. For us, for us to have a healthy market, you want to see first-time, bo- first-time home buyers at about – 30 to 35% of all purchases is where you'd really like to see for a healthy market. And we're not there. And that's the biggest problem because we've talked before. First-time home buyers buy their first home, which allows that person to move up to their second home, which allows that person to move down to their either forever home or retirement home or whatever you, what, what have you. But our biggest, our biggest gap right now is our first-time home buyers. I mean, I don't know what the percentage is of, of the purchases. We'll know by the end of the year. But I guarantee it's not over 20. I, I would think it's probably... This is partly a generational thing, too, where people are staying in their homes a whole lot longer than past generations. Well, right now they, uh, right now they, right now they have to. Yeah, right? Yeah. I know lots of people that it's not their forever home. They don't love it, but they just can't move. I mean, they're one, they just don't want to buy, move up to a higher-priced home. And, and, you know, the way the market's going right now, they might not get as much for their home as they hoped they'd get. Uh, but, yeah, people are starting to stay a little bit more, maybe doing some renovations... Uh, but they're not. It's not their dream home, and I think that's it's a combination. It's like almost like a, a double-edged sword where we can't get the first-time home buyers into the market because they can't afford it with the rates the way they are right now. Which means people aren't moving up to their dream homes; they're staying in their average home and doing renovations in their average home. So it's it's really caused the market to slow down a little bit right now because so of that. How big is the gap now between, say, a townhome and a single-family home? It's not well. You know, we went from. Um, uh, we were really, really close. I mean, the townhomes were flying off the shelf, but the, so were the singles. And we had a gap of probably about, you know, depending on square footage and that, you know, $200,000 between maybe those guys right now. Well, right now the singles are kind of holding their value a little bit more than the townhomes are, but I think that will flip and that will reverse. Once we get out of this and the rates start coming down and we get more first time home buyers into the market, it will push the price of first time home buys or first term first time homes up. So you will start seeing the townhomes start to increase in price as the first time home buyers can afford to get back into the market. At that price, they're going to go up a little bit more closer to the single family homes than they are right now. Right now we've seen the biggest dip in the townhome market and that's mainly because of the first time home buyers. Yeah. We saw townhomes that were averaging in the sevens 
are now, you know, you're getting in the low sixes to high fives now for, for the for suburbia. Which town. should bring back some first-time homebuyers. It should. I think we potentially are either one rate hold or one rate drop away from the market just exploding again. That's what I'm thinking. What do you have to qualify for for a variable these days? Too much. Over eight? Uh, it could be in some scenarios, yeah, because <sighs> you got 6.7% on prime. Unless you're getting prime minus one or prime minus three quarters, you're in the eights to qualify. So, so, so that's what's pulled people away from the variable, even though it might be the smarter decision from a standpoint of if rates are coming down with, with a variable rate mortgage, you can convert it any time to a fixed rate. So, um, uh, you know, at this time, we're, we're seeing more clients take the five-year fixed for no other reason than it's the best rate that's out there. It's mm. got nothing to do with what's right and what's wrong and what the best strategy is. Or are they shell-shocked, Frank? Are they well, shell-shocked from the variable? They don't know if it's going to continue to rise. Well, I think most people have come to terms with the fact that the variable's probably peaked. I yeah. mean, there's there's still the possibility of one more prime rate increase. Don't, don't discount it, but the chances are pretty slim. I think, if anything, most people feel, or most economists feel that in the second half of this year, presumably in the fourth quarter, We'll start to see the Bank of Canada start to talk about trimming the prime rate, and but it's it's going to be a slow drop. I don't think it's going to be a fast drop unless there's some circumstance that that forces them to take that route. But uh, you know, I think that we'll get inflation in that between two to three percent towards the second half of this year. Uh, the the CPI number comes out in a couple of weeks, and it'll be interesting to see you know, how much lower it is and whether it's gotten into the predictions threes. Predictions are low though, right? Yeah, yeah. The predictions are it's gotten back into the threes and then we're a couple of months away from it being between 2 and 3%, which is which is a good, safe place to be. At least then it, it takes away any chance of prime rate going up and if anything, it increases the chance of maybe prime starting to come down. But as we start to see that and as the, you know, we live in Ottawa and there's obviously the biggest strike ever in our country happening right now. Our economy in the city of Ottawa will be impacted the most by it because right now they're still getting their paychecks, but two weeks from now is when they're going to start to notice that their pays aren't there, and that's when we're going to start to see the local businesses really start to suffer in Ottawa. Well, they're already suffering, right? Already, but it's going to be amplified that much faster in two, three weeks from now because, again, I mean, it's, you know, it's hurting. And, you know, I've had, uh, I've got a couple of clients that have called me and said, uh, Frank, just want to let you know that. You know, I've decided to go back to work because I'm a single mom and I can't afford to go on strike. Like my kids need me to put food on the table. So, you know, I think, uh, you know, it's disappointing. Anytime that there's a strike, it's disappointing because it does, uh, it hurts someone somewhere. It's going to hurt everybody though, but it really hurts some specific people even more. Wow. That's going to slow our market down a little bit yeah. if it continues in the next couple of weeks. There is, but but I will say that there is relief programs. So for anyone that's listening, if you're on strike and you're struggling and you think that making the payments on your mortgages or your credit cards, reach out to the providers, reach out to your bank, reach out to, to the credit card provider, let them know that you're currently on strike. There are solutions out there. Don't fall behind and because it's going to hurt your credit moving forward and therefore it could impact you know, down the road, if you want to refinance or if you want to borrow money, it could have a huge impact on you. So instead, get ahead of it. If you can't make the payments because you're not working, reach out to the credit card providers and and ask them if there's a solution. There usually is a solution where they'll say, okay, just pay us the interest this month instead of paying us the principal 
just pays the interest this month at least. So there is a solution on the mortgage side. If your mortgage is default insured, you know, the CMHCs, the SAGENs, and the Canada Guarantee all have programs in place for scenarios just like this where they can reach out to the bank on your behalf. But you should reach out to the bank first or your lender and say to them, I need relief. And then if anything, they'll reach out to the insurer on your behalf and say, what can we do? And then the insurer will check off saying, hey, for the next three months, you know, just let them pay the interest for the next I, three months and we'll insure it. Yeah, I got two letters this week. I got one from the bank, which kind of surprised me, reminding me that there are options out there, including skip a payment and things like that, yeah. which I don't think I've ever got a letter from the bank tell, telling me that, by the way, I might be able to skip a payment even though I'm not going to. But for some people, this might be beneficial for them to, to skip a payment. Absolutely. Yeah. But be proactive. Be proactive. Don't fall behind and then let the collection agencies call you because the collection agencies don't have the don't have the empathy that somebody at the branch might have based on the circumstance because some of these collection agencies, number one, may are probably not based out of Ottawa and may not even be based out of Canada. So they might might not even know what's going on. And so, they don't make money by being understanding. No, no. No, that's not they're, their that's goal their, their as a job, collection yeah. agency is to collect, yeah. exactly, not, yeah. not to do anything. They get, so they get paid on collections, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, exactly. Yeah. So and don't let it get to that because once you let it get to those levels, then it really does some damage to your credit. And fixing your credit bureau is a long process. It doesn't happen. You know, I've had clients say, "If I pay the collections, my credit score is going to go up next month." Nope. No. Nope. You're going to have to wait a little while. Before. Bruise for a while, and, and yeah. don't don't let your mortgage get behind. No. Do not. That's the one. That's the one. You're be, you'd be better to sell your property than get behind and ruin your credit. Because once you ruin your credit, you can't even get a cell phone. I mean, you can't yeah. get anything. So if you're behind in your mortgage, be proactive. Talk to us early on and let us know what's going on. I mean, too many people call us when it's like, okay, well, the bank's taking my house in three weeks. Well, I can't help. Right. So it's. Yeah. It's get, get, be very proactive if you're getting something from the bank saying that. I right down to the buyback, right? Right back to the buyback guarantee. My guarantee, yeah. I, I, so I, if somebody's really in trouble, yes. But don't call me with two weeks to go yeah. until they take your house because, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to just step up like a like a Rockefeller and just drop cash on your door. I'm still yeah. going to try sell your house for a better price. But in the end, if I haven't sold it, I'm going to buy it from you. So, but I can't do it on two weeks. You need yeah. to give me time. So if you're if you're behind and you know you're going to be in trouble, give us a call. Give us some time to work on it. And a lot of times, we can actually have a chat with the bank and see what we can do and work something out. And even if you're having your house listed, the bank sometimes will back off a little bit if they know it's listed and you're trying to sell it. So be proactive and just don't wait till the last minute. Too many people call me with, and it's too late. I can't help Oh, And you'll make so much more money selling it at top dollar than you will by having it taken over. Oh, absolutely. And it kills your credit. 521-TALK, 521-8255. We'll be right back. Hey, look at this. This is 45 minutes. You haven't had a pee once at your age. Oh, jeez. Here we go. We return to Open House, the real estate and mortgage show on News Talk 580 CFRA. Welcome back to the show. <laughs> we didn't even know we were going back on. I had to remind Steve. You had to... We were so deep in yes, conversation we about yeah. mortgages and real estate, yeah. which, by the way, is all we talk about off the air. Oh, that's everything. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, that's my, it. My girlfriend Petra's listening right now going, oh, I know what you guys talk about. <laughs> <laughs> what? I don't get it. What? Well, I don't. I talk about, you know, the weather and... You know, yeah. How much money you saved this week by going out to dinner and everybody paying for you? I know that's what you talk about. <laughs> Speaking of that, as you know, I went to Florida 
Traveling is so expensive nowadays. It's unbelievable. Trip to Florida. I was flying into Orlando to go to different places. And Flair Airlines was $1,000 for the two of us to get to Florida. Everything else was $3,000 for two people to fly to Florida. Like, it was ridiculous. Everything is getting expensive. Wow. Everything. Hotels were 600 bucks a night. And some of them, I wasn't staying in the Taj Mahals. Like, I was staying in nice places. But every, everything's getting expensive. So That's why expensive. we're seeing, I think, travel. The travel industry is a little concerned right now yeah. because it is becoming more difficult. Number one, it's more difficult to find the flights because I think the airlines have cut back on some of their flights. Yep. Number one. And then number two. Once you get there, it's so expensive. Like, and not to mention all the messes that are happening all over the place anyway, where luggage isn't getting there. Yeah, but with the still, cost of mortgages, a lot of people have cut back. Well, that's now. just it, right? So, so now people are having to decide between you know just the everyday life, and you know maybe they're putting off uh, a vacation travel for for the next couple of years. So, so if you're thinking think of doing see. that, buy a nice home. <laughs> yes. Buy a home you're going to want to stay in. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's, it's the, the world right now is, listen, there's a lot of people right now that are deciding more than I've ever seen before that are deciding to stay in their home and renovate than I've ever seen before. Yeah. Most people I talk to who are flirting with the idea of moving usually end up moving. There's a lot of people that I talk to now that are flirting with the idea of moving and they just stay. And it's, it started with the pandemic though. That's when the renovation craze really went because you couldn't go anywhere. So you might as well make your place as nice as it could be. Exactly. So you should be able to get some of the benefit if you're looking for a home now from some of those homes that have been updated. For sure. And I, and I've, I've been watching the trend. Like we talked about before the pandemic, the big houses, the country houses with the acreage, nobody wanted them. The pandemic. Everybody wanted the country properties with the bigger lots and more family moving in together. We saw people moving out to the outskirts. That was the trend. We're kind of getting back to a little bit normal where, you know, there's sure the country properties are still very, very popular. Not quite as popular as they were during the pandemic, of course, but they're still more popular than they used to be. Uh, the only people that won't go out there are the millennials. Millennials like their, you know, their infills, their, 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 their proximity to so many things. But we're seeing a market shift and a market, the market trend shift very rapidly again. And, and who knows where it's going to be once we, I mean, I'm not going to say we're out of the pandemic. I think we're very close to being out of this pandemic. Well, we're sure living normal lives. We're still living normal lives, which is nice, yes. Uh, we'll never be out of this pandemic for sure. There's always going to be viruses, but we'll see where this trend goes over the next, let's say, six to eight months. We might see more people moving from the outskirts back into the core, but I can tell you, because I'm I'm um, working with a builder that does a lot of country country building, there's a lot of building going on still in the country, in the, in the countries. When I say countries, I'm talking, you know, the outskirts of Ottawa. There's still lots of building going on right now. So before we get to birthdays, who's right on the prediction? CMHC or everybody else? Everybody else. Now, hold on. Let me caution that. Let me caution. CMHC is dead wrong. Um, And if you missed it earlier, they're saying home values are going to go down this year. Yeah, they're going to go down this year. Um, You know what? I I don't know. I don't don't think they're going to go down, but we have a lot of work to make up because in our first three months of this year, we've really come downhill. So, so I, if you're going year to year, would you say home prices will go up somewhere between two and four percent? Max, yeah, max. I think we're going to end with with a tougher year. But keep in mind, the last two years, what have we got up almost forty percent? So I mean, you know, we we've, we've made our ground. If we, even if we could break even this year, and you know, end up with an average sale price in the you know in the in, the, in around the seven hundred thousand range, we've made up a lot of ground in you know since we are today. So I, I think if we could just be flat this year, I think I'd I'd call that a win. I really would because we've dropped so much right now.
But definitely, but definitely the four percent. No, I don't. I can't see four percent. Might be a little high. Yeah. yeah. Birthdays, Frank. Oh, you're not going to ask me what I think. I don't care what you think. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, supply is the problem. Yep. And if there's a lack of supply, I don't see house prices going down. And that's generally an issue across the country. So it's not Ottawa only, uh, but it's important in Ottawa too because in Ottawa. I think if immigration continues to happen the way they're talking about, there are going to be more immigrants coming to Ottawa. I think it's a great community to come to. And and as a result of that, I don't see prices coming down. So I think they're wrong on that front. Mm. But I don't see the craziness that we've seen over the last two years either. I see it's getting now, back Maybe to a year normal. or two from now when rates start to come down again, we might get might back be, But it. again, it's all going to be about supply. If, yeah. if, if if the builders pick up steam and start to build a, a lot, then I think you know we'll start to see prices kind of you know balance out. But if, if they don't build, and some builders are talking about just pausing right now for, for a little while because they've got some inventory, mm. then that's where I think the supply comes into play. I think 2024 is going to be a very good year. I think the rest of 2023 is also going to be very good. Yeah. Uh, it's not going to be the start of 2022, but it's going to be a very good 2023, the rest of 2023, and I think we're going to have a very good 2024. Birthday's my brother, my little brother, uh, celebrating his birthday uh, on... Uh, you mean there's someone know, smaller Tuesday, than Wednesday, you in the family? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Does he so, wear a caprice? Uh, yeah, right. Your brother Nobody is... Does. Enzo. So Enzo celebrating his birthday, and then uh, Stefano, my son's uh, girlfriend, better half, celebrating her birthday this week as well on Cinco de Mayo. So happy birthday to Zoe. Nice. I have a good one. Uh, two years ago today, I started dating the most perfect human in the world. So happy anniversary. Happy- he didn't date me. He didn't uh, date you, Frank. Happy anniversary, Petra Sedlikova. Love you. Oh, wow, uh, wow, wow, wow. That a man wow. points there, baby. Uh, you know, she's a perfect wow. human. <laughs> not, well, oh, clearly right. not. Look you, at who she chose. Well, she's, uh, she's, ob- she's, obviously, she's obviously has great eyesight. She might she be perfect. She's just not bright. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, please continue to support local businesses and charities. Have a great right? week, folks.